Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am once again joined by. Hello, I'm Isabel, and. This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about platonic couples, namely between. Heteroplatonic couples, because we've got plenty of, uh, you know, bromances and sisterhoods all over anime. But but heteroplatonic couples, I think, are just a lot harder to come by. Out of curiosity, was this a hard topic to brainstorm on? Like, did you have to go through several animes to sort of come up with them? Or was it actually relatively easy for you? Because for me, it took me several turns before I, like, picked my two. Yeah, I had to do a lot of research too. I I went through the anime that I watched, and mm-hmm. I wondered what which one. And then you know, between each character, I wondered is this a platonic relationship or is this <laughs> one? You know, so mm-hmm. I and you know what time. sucks is like a lot of these platonic relationships start out with like crushes at the beginning, so you're just like, oh, they do. man, do I really want to do this? Yeah, like it's yeah. it's almost like does it really count if it starts out as a crush and then it's literally because the the other one, one of them finds another love interest, so it's like, oh, now we're platonic, you know? It's almost like, it's almost like it, like, yeah, like, it's almost like one of them has to have a crush on the other one before it transitions into platonicy? Is that a word? I don't even know. Platonicy. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure. No, I totally get it. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, the Jap or at least a lot of animes tend to really focus on like the romance crux. Um, but at the end of the day, like you don't need a romantic tie to somebody to be friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at us. Like all of us, all of us here, like are friends with plenty of guy friends who are 100 percent platonic in our lives. So, uh, it, it's it's interesting how it, it, they have to always have that, but. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, Agnes, why don't you start start us off? Which are the two heteroplatonic relationships that you uh, found and you think are great friendships, per se? <laughs> I have three, although the other one is more like a father-daughter-slash-son relationship. Okay. Uh, but I'll go with the, the two ones that I thought of that are like more on, on the same level in terms of like friendship. Uh, the first one is going to be Emma and Ray from The Promised Neverland. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, not Norman. I'm sorry, Norman. I know you love Emma, so you don't count this relationship. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, he, he did make it pretty clear he had a cute crush on her. So <laughs> Very, very. Um, and then my second one would be Tsugimoto and Asirpa from Golden Kamui. I knew Although it. that's kind of teetering a very close line somewhere if you kind of read through the subtle contexts because Noda's very good at kind of throwing it in there you don't recognize it until like chapters later but for now it's it's pretty platonic <laughs> okay um so I think Ray and Emma are pretty obvious to me but I've already seen the anime series itself which which is nice because it's a shonen and usually when there's a girl in a shonen storyline, there tends to be a love triangle between the guys. But, you know, anything I've seen so far with Rey and Emma are completely platonic and brotherly sisterly, which is, you know, not bad at all. So mm-hmm. I read the manga all the way to its completion. I haven't finished reading the the newest epilogue that they released, I think, about half a month ago. But 
from what I read up until the manga's true ending, they like never got together and they were never like a thing. They've always supported each other as like two brothers and sisters in a sense. Wait, do you between do you mean between Ray and Emma or Emma and Ray Emma? and Emma. Oh, okay. Ray, Ray and Emma. Emma. Norman is a an interesting case because it kind of teeters between like love but kind of obsessed. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of just like mellows out by the end of the series, I guess. So Wait, he gets obsessed. Oh, Never mind. Don't spoil me. Never mind. Don't don't tell me. <laughs> oh, I mean, like obsessed in the fact, like you know, um, it's you see it in the beginning of the anime already, right? In season one, where a lot of his desire to to help the kids escape is because he loves Emma and he wants to help her fulfill her goal, mm, her dream. I see what you're saying. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Versus Ray is more like he is definitely more on point and he's definitely more organized and more level headed in this. And eventually comes to realize, like, oh, I do want to help the kids escape from the Gracie house, and I share the same ambitions as Emma, but it's not fueled by an ardent love for her. I don't know if you know, but you just called it the Gracie house. <laughs> oh, Gracefield house, my bad. <laughs> it's the Gracefield house, my brain today. <laughs> the Gracie house, yes, everyone lives in the Gracie house. Oh, gosh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, jeez. Like, you know, I'm glad. I completely forgot. That is my bad. I'm sorry, viewers. I hope you laugh at this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're super duper cute, I think. They're, they're, yeah, they're really nice. I was fearing that it would eventually be revealed oh, no. that Ray develops relation uh, crush on her, but it's relieving to hear from you that it doesn't happen, so... <laughs> Yeah, I was actually, when I was reading the manga up until the completion, I was actually also worried about the same way too, because the amount of time that Emma spends with Ray, you know, like, as you see in season two right now, like guiding the kids out of the forest and things like that, they're always together. Like you never, you you rarely ever see them separated, right? Or like right. doing like right. two different tasks at the same time. They're always together. So I'm just like, Okay, something's gonna happen. She's he's gonna blurt out like how Sakura does to Naruto that she loves him instead of Sasuke, right? Uh, but no, it didn't happen. So, which I was so thankful for, and that they really kept on track with the actual plot of the story instead of this subplot of romance. So yeah, great platonic relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, once again, with Promise Neverland being so popular. I remember uh, the comment section basically filled with people going like, add Ray and Emma as a ship on our couples. No, 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 fans, please don't. Yeah, like, they genuinely were like, it only makes sense. They're cute together. And I'm like, I'm going to hold off on that because everything from what I've seen has just been platonic and I am hoping it stays that way. Nah, bruh. Source material leaves them as platonic. There's no I love you or cute little, like, kawaii blush. None of that. (laughs) Sorry, fans, to disappoint you. You can go. You can go write your fan fiction, but that oh, yeah, does not exist in manga canon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one you said was from Golden Kamui. I have. I also thought of them because I think, ironically, they were the easiest one to come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you told me they're actually teetering the line a bit. What's going on? <laughs> there are some scenes. Uh, you kind of see it in the anime too, but also in the manga. There's some scenes where Asirpa kind of blushes around Sugimoto in like very minute scenes uh, in regards to something and actually Ogata picks it up too that Asirpa may have a bit of a harboring crush on Sugimoto but I think it's more because they spend so much like like how a lot of shows develop they spend so much time together and they've supported each other's backs for so long and Asirpa is actually quite young and rather impressionable for her age so I don't completely blame her for having like this small crush on a guy who basically will die for you 
and help you carry out your wish for the Ainu gold. And he never like pressures her to do any of this as well. Although he did come into the series with an ulterior motive, Sugimoto is willing to do everything to help Basirpa and does not discard her as an object or tool to find the gold. It's interesting because uh, I, when I watched the anime, I didn't notice any of the blushes at all, which it's means it must have been very so tiny. Minute, minute that I just it just you know slipped past my eyes essentially. Yeah, it's Noda's really good about that about like dropping little hints here and there, and you have to really like read through the end, you watch the anime, and then also read the manga to like kind of pick it up. But a lot of fans also speculate that it could just be a tiny crush, but it may not develop into anything else at the end of the day. So currently, as I'm also continuing to read Golden Kamui, the manga, I'm proud to say that they're platonic currently. Okay. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if Noda throws a twist. I mean, I, I sure hope they stay that way because I, I like their friendship because it's more than just, what's the right word? It's more than just sort of comrade in arms. There's this intergenerational friendship that is very special, I think, because oh yeah, because it's hard to be such good platonic friends who is not only a completely different generation than you, but also an opposite gender and not in any way related to you. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's a completely they're completely different ethnic groups too. So you yeah. know, being like Japanese and Asirpa being like Ainu. So you would think that it's an unlikely friendship that came out of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they're great as friends. I would say though, if you wanted something a more platonic, that's kind of funny, would be like Shiraishi and Asirpa. But Sugimoto and Asirpa have a better bond. <laughs> Let's be real. Well, I guess like you could technically say Asirpa with any of the guys that she's traveled with. That's true. Are technically platonic, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that. Golden Conway is just, Golden Conway is great. It's interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Very interesting, yeah. Um, okay, so what was your third one that was, like, a little different from these two, like, in Shades? So it's not, it's different in terms of the friendship. They develop more of a familial bond. It's uh, Mordred and Kyrie from Fate Apocrypha. And the reason why I say this is because a lot of Fate franchises that you either get yourself into, whether it's anime or even like F Fate Grand Order, is that a lot of the master and servants that are main characters end up kind of developing a close romantic relationship with one another. Oh, But Kyrie and Mordred actually don't. They are first a working pair, as in like they get the job done. And but at the end of the story, they it seem their backgrounds tend to overlap because they have a lot of insecurities regarding family, and they end up developing like their own kind of weird family in a sense, with Kyrie being sort of a father figure and the Mordred being like uh, a prodigal son or I guess daughter if you want to um, if you want to consider their gender in Fate Apocrypha. Do you think them having sort of a more um parental relationship diminishes the plat- the platonicness of a friendship between them or do you think it enhances them more i think it enhances them more because in the series kyrie does not like it he doesn't try to give off like this pl- pl- uh this paternal air in in terms of like um 
like lecturing her or whatever, mm. but he respects a lot of the things that Mordred wants to do and supports her from the back as the master. And in turn, Mordred also respects him as her fellow master or somebody who had summoned her into this world and also does her best. So they both contribute to one, to each other's growth. And then at the end, that's when they develop their family familial like relationship. Oh, I see. Yeah, see, because I, yeah. I don't, I mean, you already know this, but I don't really follow the Fate series per se. And that's uh, fine. Yeah. That's why I'm explaining yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, it's, it's just interesting because a lot of other servant pairings that you'll see in both like Fate Apocrypha and then all the other Fate series, it's like the master falls in love yeah. with the servant because the servant is kind of like exotic. They're from a different era. They hold different views. Master's kind of like wow and captivated. But at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of just eh. Because when a servant dies, they return to like the plane that they're the plane of existence that they're from and their mem- memories are wiped. So there's no lasting bond between a master and servant anyway. So the romantic part is kind of weird. But with a family relationship, it gives a sense of peace, I think, for a lot, for both Kyrie and Mordred, who struggle with the concept of family. Mordred, uh, as you know, in Arthurian legends, is sort of like an illegitimate Arthur child and wasn't recognized. Therefore, Mordred rebelled. And then Kyrie oh. also has some very complicated family issues that doesn't allow him to fully be at peace either. Yeah, I'm glad you highlight that because, yeah, I've seen uh, the other Fate series or at least the main series and I'm always confused about why <laughs> yeah. the master and servant end up with each other or at least, you know, have feelings for each other when they really shouldn't because they're fighting. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's nice to hear that they do have uh, some type of relationship. And do they ever discuss that? You know, they talk about it or just kind of more like flashbacks in the series. It's very subtle mm-hmm. when they talk about it uh, because Mordred and Cardi both don't talk a lot about themselves. Mm-hmm. But if you read the the light novels and also like watch the anime closely, like you'll see that they've developed it as a result. And a lot of people back it up with the light novel sources as well. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I know that in other Fate series, you do have more like non-relationships non-romantic relationships between masters and servants, but they're either sidelined as side characters because they're not the main uh, focus of the story, or it's a very weird toxic relationship like Kiritsugu and Saber in Fate Zero, in which Kiritsugu was clearly using Saber and Saber becomes jaded by the end of the series. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, Fate Zero is just depressing in its entirety when you watch it. So... um, yeah, Saber, Saber has a reason to not like Kiritsugu. <laughs> out of these, uh, this is a bit of a loaded question, but I just have to ask out of curiosity. Out of these three that you mentioned, what do you have a favorite, essentially, out of the platonic relationships? <laughs> I am superbly biased towards uh, Golden Kamui okay. because, <laughs> because I love the series. It's very dear to my heart. Um, but I really love... Uh, Asirpa and Sugimoto's relationship overall. It's something that you don't see often in anime. Mm-hmm. And Noda does a, and Noda and also the animators for Golden Kami do a very good job at maintaining that platonicity, I guess, throughout the sh- series. Yeah, I think definitely they're going to be one of the most iconic ones because, funnily enough, um, that was one of my picks as well, obviously, Yay! without the manga, <laughs> without the manga background. So I'm not going to talk about it because you already have Agnes. Um, one of my other picks is uh, from Dr. Stone. and I knew you were going to pick that one. I knew it. <laughs> really? <laughs> 
you talked about it once and I thought to myself, okay, Gracie has to talk about this. If she doesn't talk about this, I'm going to go insane. <laughs> well, uh, for people who are listening, uh, I had to spoil myself essentially in Dr. Stone for this to confirm for our couples and polls chart. Yes, we we admins have to spoil ourselves for the sake of vetting who gets to get at it. Um, but uh, just as a fair warning, but uh, the platonic relationship I chose is between Senku and Kohaku. And um, the reason why this one stood out to me is it would have been so, so easy for the author to pair them up, in all honesty, because it's like his best friend and his best friend's girl already a thing. And then, bam, comes in this new girl who is from this new world that has been without humanity for like thousands, thousands of years, except she's a descendant of the few that remained. And she is everything opposite of what Senku is. Senku is all about science and inventions and strategizing. And she is ridiculously strong physically and, and likes to fight her way out of everything and strong arms and stuff like that, even though their personalities are honestly quite similar. They're both very noble. They're both very loyal. And they both essentially are always working towards a, a better world and just being a good person as a whole. Well, I mean, Senku has his moments, but he's a good person at the heart of it all. And so it seems like she would have been the perfect romantic match. And it could have been the easiest thing in the world for the author to pair the two of them together. But ultimately, the author did it. And in fact, the author really nailed it into the coffin because in a manga chapter, a lot of people shipped them, unsurprisingly. I mean, the reason why I spoiled myself was because people were demanding that Senku, Senku and Kohaku get added onto the ship or charts as an option. And uh, the manga had a chapter where I don't know how they ended up kissing, but they just basically had to kiss. And their utter disgust <laughs> at, oh. after the fact just nailed it in the head that they're not going to be a thing, but... Like, they are going to remain really good friends, and that's it. And there's no other sort of descriptions or questions otherwise. And the, and the fact that the manga made it so, the mangaka made it so clear was also really refreshing. So I just have to highlight that as one of my favorite, like, healthy, or not healthy, it is healthy, but one of my favorite hetero uh, platonic relationships out there. Yeah, that's definitely really cute. I was thinking of Dr. Stone, too. I was like, maybe Yuzuriha and Senku, but, you know, they're, like, far removed. They're they're, they're not really involved, especially in the first part mm-hmm. of the season. So, yeah. definitely Kohaku and Senku. Um, they really complement each other, like you said. Um, she's really strong and everything, whereas Senku is really smart, so they kind of have, they perfectly complement each other in that they have strengths that the other doesn't have. Um, but they really do just make it through as being friends and supporting each other throughout everything. Yeah, because it's like people being another person's complement is just as likely in a platonic relationship than it is in a romantic relationship. One of my favorite tweets I've ever seen is someone was like, does no one talk about platonic soulmates? Like, you just feel like your friend that's across the aisle from you really was just meant to be your friend. You were supposed to have this great big friendship and you guys were always supposed to uh, meet and stuff like that and become friends. And I really like that tweet because I, um, this might have to do with the fact that I identify on the ACE scale, 
But I've always really, really, really valued my friendships and sadly probably valued them more than any of my romantic relationships I've had. And so I've always sought out these sort of like platonic soulmate ideas. And and I just really like the fact that, once again, Dr. Stone is a shonen an, uh, anime adaptation and it could have very, very easily been like, Oh, look how good Kohaku compliments Senku. Romantic vibes and put them together. But it's like, no. You know, like, they're, they're, I think they're platonic soulmates is how it works. So, yeah, that's my, that's my spotlight in regards to Dr. Stone. Really like that. I also found it surprising because the mangaka's previous works on things like Sunken Rock and things like that actually do, like, features romantic subplots. Oh! Oh, okay. So I was actually surprised that in Dr. Stone, at least the main character, Dr. S- um, Senku, doesn't actually get together with anyone. He's just obsessed with science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess that's that's the inner nerd in me also very happy because who has time for romantic relationships when science is so much cooler? <laughs> I Okay, uh, Senku is probably very much on the A scale as well, based on from what I've seen and what I know, so... <laughs> Should I even should I define that? Never mind. Uh, that that's a topic for another time. Um, so mm-hmm. my, uh, my second choice or my first choice really was something that Agnes already said. I have a third one, but it's like it's also like Agnes's where it's a little unique. So uh, my third one is with Yuki and Toru, and it's unique in that obviously a lot of people ship those two characters, and it certainly seemed like Yuki had a crush on Toru, but as the anime continued into the second season, Yuki's own narration in his head basically admitted that he never really saw her romantically. It was like he wanted to be close to her and he basically didn't really know how to act and acting smooth and sort of flirtatious was like his go-to because it was easier. And but he but as the series went on, he starts to realize that it's not actually what he wants with her and definitely not what he had originally felt with her which turns it 180 from the whole oh i think yuki has the crush on toru into like no complete uh, platonic relationship and i think that relationship is very complex but very unique to yuki's side because toru never has relationship uh, or feelings towards yuki like ever but with yuki specifically his entire arc of gaining self-confidence and going into more of his, like his identity of who he is as a person has always been centered on friendship because his first blow to his mental health slash self-esteem was he made friends in elementary school and he lost them all because their memories had to be erased. And he desperately wanted to join the other Zodiacs and be friends with them because they're always friendly and hanging out together and he has to be kept separate and so I think it actually makes perfect sense in the fact that Toru being the one who sort of like started to give them give him that push to gain more confidence and come into who he is as a person is ultimately rooted in friendship because all his problems started with finding friends so that's sort of my interpretation of Toru and Yuki. I do want to hear your two thoughts on it because just because this is such a big and popular ship with many people still convinced that Yuki had a crush on her and that they think the author did a 180 degree on it. So uh, so yeah, I just really, I am curious on your opinions. 
I really feel like Yuki definitely had a crush on Toru. At least in okay. the first part of the series. And that's mm-hmm. why a lot of, you know, fans ship them together. I can't say what happens for that in the series because I'm still trying to get there. Uh, oh shoot, did I? <laughs> me. Oh, but, oh my god, did I spoil no. something? <laughs> no, you're fine. You're completely fine. I have spoiled myself a little bit, so I do uh, know a little bit, but... Okay. Oh, I think we all know at the end, like, what happens endgame, yeah. but maybe not everything in the middle, like, the middle end yeah. section. It's okay. I'll definitely watch for the middle section, because that's what's important. Okay. Um, ah, but I think no, the author so did sorry. it. You're okay, Gracie. Don't worry. It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> but yeah, in the, in the second season, I do know, you know, how, like, I think that's where Toru is shit with Kyo, really. So I don't think the author did a 180. I think there were definitely hints around there. I think it was just kind of like building that love triangle all the way to the end, uh, keeping that mm-hmm. in line. Um, those are my thoughts on that in particular. But yeah, Yuki, I would agree, is kind of confusing because he's very involved with his family and not to mention um, you know, how he was treated in the past and how that affects him. So he's very confused in a sense. And, and Toru, I don't know, Toru being Toru, she doesn't really see him in that way. I don't know. Yeah, does she? Does she? There is no indication that she actually ever really thought about him, right? I feel no, like she's just never, very kind never. and caring towards yeah, everyone. Yeah, no, he just kind of blushes. Mm-hmm. I, but that's it. She gets I feel like that's a normal reaction when he acts flirtatiously towards her. But in regards to emotions, she has never shown anything other than like love in a platonic way, essentially. Right. Because it's her reactions mm-hmm. with Kyo is just so obviously different. That literally everyone could see it. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say it's like the whole idea of like people shipping Yuki and Toru is because there's such a huge time gap between the completion, the, the first anime airing and the completion of the manga and then now the reboot series. So, everyone just kind of continued to cling on to that Yuki and Toru ship. And also with the fact that. The anime, the original anime ended on a very weird note and they had to change a lot of things because they caught up to the manga. So everyone expected the anime to be the true kind of like plot point that there's a love triangle. But in reality, there was never a love triangle. Yuki's just a very confused and uh, sheltered teenager who doesn't know how to express himself or understand his own emotions because of his very fraught background. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame him for having a crush on Toru and then realizing like, oh, I saw her as somebody else. Strangely enough, a lot of people did not like the idea that he saw her as like a quote unquote mother figure. But at the same time, see, kind of categorizing your friends in a sort of like, oh, I, I admire this person or I like this person because of certain qualities is is very normal. Right, I think. right. It's just unfortunate that Yuki had a much slower development period because of how he was raised in the soma house mm-hmm. and arguably i guess i would say like a lot of these like quote-unquote platonic ships start out as crushes because i mean if you look at all of them they're all teenagers they're all a bunch of horny teenagers they don't know what they're doing <laughs> so oh, yuki especially makes... who's who yeah yeah, yeah. like he it, it yuki's whole thing you, like you would think that him being sheltered means he was being pampered no, <laughs> the shelter was him being like emotionally and physically abused. So, like that, right, exactly. that's just gonna like stunt emotional growth so badly on children. So, yeah, and he didn't have chance to express that, or even like, and on top of that, have to work with his teenager hormones, which is like 
That is another different story mm-hmm. altogether. So, yeah, I just hope Yuki has grows better, matures better, and that when he leaves the Hosoma house, he is in a much better mindset. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I hope for. Oh, uh, and that he maintains his friendship with Toru. Oh, uh, don't worry about that part. Just don't worry about the maintaining oh. friendship. He will <laughs> <laughs> allow me to console that that worry. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that those are mine. Uh, obviously, uh, my uh, Senku and Kohaku and Ashirpa and Sugimoto are more blatantly in the heteroplatonic part. Yuki and Toru was just something I wanted to talk about that was a bit unique, per se, and more complex than just uh, he had a crush and then it was over sort of thing because she had another guy or something like that. Anyway, uh, Isabel, who did you pick? <laughs> Uh, mine, you can argue with me on this one because this is obviously this person or one of the persons had a crush on the other, but it's okay. uh, Taichi and Chihaya from Chihaya Furu. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> interesting. Okay, okay. Because for the large part of the anime, it is actually very, very platonic in my opinion. Okay. Might be wrong. I mean, definitely I, there, I ship Taichi and Chihaya at some points and then also my sister and other people also ship Wataya, Arata, and Chiaya, so there's obviously a love triangle. But in my opinion, they have a good platonic relationship, mostly because Chiaya doesn't realize that Taichi likes her. Uh, in the sense that they play Karata together, and they have a good relationship between the three of them at least also, that they are good friends, and they kind of push each other to learn more about Karuta. Even though, um, especially for Taichi, I just admire how he like tries so dang hard just to uh, be good at Karuta. Even though he's good at everything else, he's gifted. He doesn't really need Karuta in his life. He could just, you know, watch from the sidelines or something. But no, he decides to get involved. And um, not only that, Chihai also really encourages him throughout the sh- uh, throughout the anime, throughout the manga as well. And uh, they grow together. They all grow together. They try to find what they actually want to do in life with regards to Karuta and maybe as school as well. And then building like a club together and everything. I feel like they go through a really regular high school, middle school life as well. But it's all through Karuta and how how it all connects them together. And yeah, even though they have that, even though Taichi has a crush on Chiaya, I feel like they still have a good relationship throughout the series. I don't know how it's going to end in the manga, but I have a feeling that it might stay that way for a long time. So, wait, were you you said you shipped them romantically, right? No? I did at one point, but then now I think they should definitely stay at friends. I would like I wish they would be together, but I'm pretty like based on what I've seen, I don't think they're going to end up together because of how competitive um everything is and how chiara is so focused on karuta Mm -hmm. i have you seen the most recent season season three i did yeah okay okay cool it's taichi and chihaya is complicated for me because taichi gives a lot more than chihaya gives back Mm -hmm. and not that not that it's complicated completely her fault because she is just so unaware but at the same time you can't help but feel a little upset that that like Taichi is giving so much and she's just taking it all I already wrote a whole article about 
Tai Chi and his <laughs> self-esteem issues that you two know of because you guys edited it. So, oh, yes. um, <laughs> so I won't beat on that, but I don't, I mean, how do I describe this? They are a platonic relationship at the end of the day, even though Tai Chi has, has, I have to say has, has a huge crush on her up until the, mm-hmm. uh, up until the end of season three still. But it's so, because, because it's so one-sided, because Chihaya just doesn't see it all at all, and Tai Chi feels so much towards her. But it's also because of this imbalance that made me worried about their relationship at times, whether it is platonic or not, because Tai Chi is really great in how he supports Chihaya, how he makes her feel better. I remember one episode where she lost and she was really, really upset and uh, she didn't even like she was so upset. She didn't even like say thank you very much, which is standard after a match. And she just sort of like put herself put herself in like a locker or something like that. And Tai Chi literally just sat outside the whole time waiting for her. But I can't say Chihaya has done the same thing for Tai Chi. And it took three seasons for her to finally realize how unfair she's being towards him Mm -hmm. and how much, like, she's been very unknowingly hurting him with, like, her every other word or her every other gesture and stuff like that and how quickly she drops everything when Arata's around the corner without, you know, even seemingly to remember that he was still standing there talking to her and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, there's there's this complicated. I have what's funny is here, I'm I'm like you in that I once shipped them, but when I shipped them, that was back when I was in high school. So I too was a horny teenager, and so um, <laughs> at the very least, I, okay, I like I have to change my uh, mindset because I actually wasn't horny. This is why I didn't learn a lot of like sexual things until in college. But um, I was hormonal at the very least. And I shipped them a lot because of Tai Chi's complete and utter devotion towards Chihaya, where you can't help but be like, oh, I hope they're together because yeah. he puts so much energy into this. He loves her so much and, you know, he deserves her and stuff like that. But watching the third season as an adult, I'm actually flipped over where I'm like, oh, Tai Chi, like, deserves better than Chihaya because Chihaya spent her entire life in a way, like, subconsciously using him and then not essentially not giving him any sort of sensitivity in regards to his feelings because she's so focused on Karuta and Arata with that end because Arata has more of like a more of a tie to Karuta in her eyes since he's the one who introduced her to it so it's so it becomes frustrating by season three when you know she obviously rejects him when he confesses to her and but then he she still expects him to support her and do all these other things for her and stuff like that and she wonders like why he's upset and everything and it's just like girl like no (laughs) like you've you've had you've had plenty of years of sorry not years (laughs) time goes so slow in manga but um, but you've had plenty of time with him by your side and everything and for you to just not realize how much you're hurting him up until this point is insane to me so 
it's sad, but my views of Chihaya has really um has really gone down uh in the third season, along with my own experience in life as an adult now. So yeah. it almost sounds like a not not to say that it's intended or that it's mean, but it sounds almost like a toxic friendship because out of uh sorry. Um What's his name again? I'm sorry, I didn't watch Shihaya Fudu. Uh, tai Chi. <laughs> tai Chi gives so much for Shihaya Fudu, but like you said, Shihaya Fudu doesn't give... Uh, Shihaya. <laughs> Shihaya doesn't give enough back. You can see how, how much lack of information I know about this show, and I only know about it through your article. But yeah, it sounds like one of those like weirdly toxic relationships, because I had one of those when I was in high school, where... I gave so much to a friend, in not in hopes that they would like me, mm-hmm. but in hopes that, you know, they would recognize me as a good friend and I could stay with them and be like BFFs. Mm-hmm. But they, in turn, do not give as much back, which really plays at you morally and also, and kind of demoralizes you by the end of the day. I'm not sure how Tai Chi is so willing to go through that, especially when I think someone pointed it out that Tai Chi did have a girlfriend at the beginning of season one yes, right yes, and then they recently broke it off yeah. before you know the rest of the events happen so i'm just kind of curious to see if like he picks it up and finally says like okay i'm gonna stop this sort of like infatuation or love for Chiha- for chihaya and then look elsewhere because clearly chihaya uh, only needs him for like a, a sort of like support as a friend but also not really so it's funny you said that because at the end of season three, Tai Chi finally called her out because she was he quit. Um, his grades went down alongside his oh, uh, self confidence, yeah. and so um, not that it went down badly, but he did go down, and so uh, and so he quits, and Chihaya like runs after him, and she's like, "No, don't quit! Like, please don't quit!" And like this is after she's already rejected him. And, like, and she's completely unaware of the fact of how much, like, his struggle with Karuta has been plaguing him and, like, his innate need to compare to Arata because, um, because Chihaya always seems to pay attention more to Arata than him. And so, like, like not even, like, equal attention. Like, Chihaya does not give equal attention at all. She will drop everything to pay attention to Arata. And so, um... And so she's like, you know, begging him not to leave and stuff like that. And then Taiji just goes, Chihaya, do you think I'm made of stone? And it was oh. such a long time Yikes. coming. Like that was cathartic for me because I'm like, he needed to call her out. Like it's been too long. So true. I think that's one th- one of the things that I wish Taiji would call her out earlier. In mm-hmm. you know. He could have definitely done that. He definitely holds a lot of things in. Um, and then, like, in this relationship, I feel like it's definitely, like, a fourth type of platonic relationship, which is kind of sad mm-hmm. for him, at I least. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like Agnes said. In a way, it is toxic. It's not so blatantly toxic as some friendships are. Uh, but it's But because it's not blatantly... I mean, I, I'm shooting myself in the foot, though, because even blatant toxic relationships are hard, really, really hard to leave. And mm-hmm. so much less a, a much more subtle one, you know, so it, it makes sense that it took him that long simply because toxic relationships are 
I want to cuss, but I can't. So, um, the toxic relationships suck, uh, to yeah. say the least. They're they're incredibly hard to get out of, and they're incredibly hard to move on from, even when you get out of it. So, it's almost like your mind has to do some sort of emotional, mental reset to get away from it. I mean, I don't know if that was your case, Agnes, but for me, oh no, that was exactly my okay, case. Okay, cool. That was exactly my case because I went to the same college as them. Um, and we were end up in the same major too. Mm -hmm. So for a while, I was like still like stuck with them. And it wasn't until I think like my third year, I told myself, I've had enough of this. And I physically removed myself from them and sat at a different part of the lecture hall. And I continued to do this for like three quarters. Okay. Until I finally like mellowed out and I found like a different set of friends that I could really now call like actual friends mm -hmm. because they actually care. Um, but like you said, it's really difficult to get out of like these kind of toxic friendships and platonic ones, honestly, as well, because you feel like you're obligated to stay, but you have no other support group to rely on. Yeah. Someone yeah. online actually said that they think platonic toxic relationships are harder to leave than romantic ones, which is crazy. Um, but I've never been in a toxic romantic relationship, thankfully. Uh, but I can attest for my toxic platonic one that it was it was very, very hard to leave. So <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, Isabel. We completely ran over here. No, it's completely <laughs> fine. I do have a question for you guys, though. What do you guys think about, like, between a relationship, between, you know, heterosexual relationships, um, between, you know, friends? Don't you think that at one point you you like think about being in a relationship with them, or maybe someone thinks about being in a relationship with them? Does that happen? Uh, definitely, yeah. I definitely do think about that sometimes when I'm with my friends mm -hmm. because you have, like Gracie said earlier, the two the two uh, the two people, the male and the female, will have a uh, a perception that they could be together because they share like similar hobbies and interests. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, you kind of, for at least in my case, I kind of start nitpicking at my friend and realizing like, oh, you know, they have certain qualities that I'm not interested in looking at. So therefore, okay, they stay completely in the friend zone. And then I just oh. leave them there. And it's totally fine afterwards. I don't say it verbally, but I kind of like notice it and think to myself like, yeah, I'm not really interested in this. And I just move on from there. Okay. So are you nitpicking us then since you've pointed that out? <laughs> no, 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 no. You got everybody has, in how I see it, everybody has flaws, but they're neither good nor bad. They're not, not so, but they complement the person and leave them as a whole. And from based on accumulation of their own traits, their personalities and their experience, I kind of put them into like other groups and categorize them as good friends okay friends acquaintances or work friends kind of thing so they just mm. kind of in that bubble they don't really leave or try to like intersect with one another they're just friends mm. that's it mm. the only time i will have a bad vibe with people and i don't see them as good is if they actually exhibit like fairly toxic traits that i do not want to touch with a 10-foot pole oh, yeah. <laughs> then i will literally cut them out of my life i will not talk to them and i'll be like you go do you i go do me that's fine goodbye we friend. will exist as individuals and that'll be it <laughs> individuals in this large macroscopic universe where we're all insignificant there you go <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> that's just how i see it so everybody in general is fine to me and nobody really exhibits quite the romantic uh compliment that i'm looking for okay. 
I'm not sure if that applies to any of you ladies here either, but that's just how I, I see it. I think it's actually fairly natural to sort of wonder if this platonic friend of yours who's um who uh, who is a guy or girl, you know, depending on what you prefer, uh is like is a good match for you romantically. I, like I I at least I think it's just natural to imagine it because even me with my girlfriends like all of we're all straight, you know, but we okay. still make jokes where it's like where it's like would we work if we dated, you know, like sort oh. of thing. <laughs> and so, which we know is just not going to happen because once again we're all straight. But it, it's just a fun thing to. I think number one, it's fun to imagine, and it's especially added um, a more positive fun with it because you like this person in real life and you really do get along with them. And so that's, and then second of all, there are enough stories of very successful, happy relationships that started out as friends and became developed into a romantic relationship, which is perfectly fine and acceptable. And I think the the fact that these tend to be so successful also lends a hand in sort of imagining it when it happens. Because I even I admit sometimes, you know, when there's a platonic a, a, a platonic relationship in front of you you still can't help but sort of ship them in the back of your mind and be like oh they would look so good together <laughs> you know yeah. sort of thing <laughs> um and so so that's how i see it at least what about yeah. you isabel you're the one who uh you know who gave <laughs> us this question <laughs> no yeah i agree with most of you i you know mostly have those thoughts um, also my friends and like you said it definitely makes a great conversation topic or discussion amongst your friends you know if we would work out or something and, yeah and then even if you don't do it right if you're really close friends uh, with a boy for example um, other people will start asking other people wonder about it oh, too. oh yeah one yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Be like, well, don't you yep, see yep, that yep, person yep. and that person together like what do you think and stuff like that so it's pretty pretty interesting and then so it does definitely i agree it does happen especially in school and everything so yeah um, kind of reminds me how like Yuki and Toru were spending time in school, and other the other girls were getting jealous and you oh know, my gosh, but Toru. those girls are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love them because they're so petty. <laughs> Why would you love them? I just want them they to add, disappear. They add funny comedy. <laughs> they add really funny comedy to Fruits Basket, which is already like really depressing. But in real life, those petty people are. are they they should really They're take a look at themselves. <laughs> but like I said, in the context of Fruits Basket, they hardly do much damage to the actual plot. True. But they also, but they're part of the reason why Yuki is so lonely in the first place, because they isolate him. Yeah, they isolate yeah. and idolize him. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have but a yeah. scene against them. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, my second one here is, I don't know, it might be also like a crush type thing, but I don't think so. Um, it's between Mayuri and Okabe in Steins Gate. Ah, I did see a lot of people talking about their platonic relationship too. Yeah, I don't know what it's like. They say like in the visual novel and other things that there is like a different storyline where they do end up together but in the okay, main storyline we're, we're talking about anime though so i think it's fine <laughs> yeah in the so anime, this is this isn't referring to the original science gate or the newer one that just came out uh both for the most part both okay yeah in the in the original science gate they definitely 
that that one's for sure platonic throughout the whole show. Um, it might also be because uh, Okabe ends up with Kurisu, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I feel like they're really, really good friends. They're like uh, childhood friends in a sense, and um, they definitely start out as childhood friends because Mayuri's um, grandmother died, and she had she kind of went through like a PTSD type thing where she kind of felt lost and scared that you know she's kind of like alone uh, in life and then okabe um he kind of creates this persona of himself he turns himself into a mad scientist and um, kind of changes himself for her or creates this alternate persona so i think that's like the greatest thing he could have really done done for her during that time because they're you know children you know how are they going to grow together and stuff like that and so they grow up together and um they continue to be friends mayuri goes across you know uh um across towns just to see him and uh, really just spend time with him sometimes she doesn't know what he's doing he's he's um doing his own you know scientific projects a lot like senku i would say but he's a little bit crazier than senku but banana <laughs> experiment in the microwave <laughs> the microwave yeah so you know she doesn't really know what's going on but i like how she's always there to support him not only him but everyone in the group as well um, she's always um, very, very quick to catch on things that maybe other people don't notice or the little details that she might um, be involved in. And um, I feel like Okabe also appreciates her, but it's not as, it's kind of, uh, he doesn't show it as much. And he he really doesn't realize, you know, how important she is to him until she uh, he kind of loses her in a sense when he's going time traveling, and there's a time time um, timeline where she's not there and he's just absolutely broken because she's just so important to him, and wow. all the support that she you know so when she's gone he just feels so empty and so sad that he does absolutely whatever he can to get her back right so mm-hmm. I just feel like their friendship and uh, the fact that they grew up together for each other to you know rely on. It was really, really nice to see in Steins Gate. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen Stein Gate at all, or what do you think about their relationship? I haven't seen I it, saw- so I'm really just completely basing it off of you. But uh, Agnes, you said that like people praised it online, which is that's pretty impressive, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I saw a couple Reddit threads and stuff like that also mentioning about Mayuri and Okabe as platonic. Mm-hmm. And I do definitely think about that because I, I watched about like half of Steins Gate, mm-hmm. but my very smooth brain can't comprehend much, so I haven't picked it back up again. Um, but I do definitely agree that they are platonic in the sense that they don't show romantic feelings to each other, but they're always there to fully support each other. Like Isabel pointed out, Mayuri is always very warm and accommodating. She always like checks up on people and she, she's kind of strange quirky, but she looks out for them by like buying them snacks and interesting foods and actually taking part in Okabe's like really weird experiments. (laughs) Like she might not be the smartest in the entire group because she's that's not her character but she does her best to like at least be interested and like help them out which i think goes a long way for friends because you could have some friends who look at you and you're like yeah you're the crazy one i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bother like helping you out but the true friendship lies when that friend is like okay i'm in i have no idea what you're doing but count me in (laughs) no doesn't everyone just want a friend like that who just doesn't question your crazy antics like do this okay i don't know what you're doing but okay no definitely that's me with some of my my friends now too like they'll be like let's do this and i'm just like i i guess i'll come along and make sure you don't get hurt or something so there you go. <laughs> yeah totally 
definitely need friends like that. So yeah, that, yeah, that's basically what she does for him. And then I don't know if I personally wouldn't want to be friends with Okabe, to be honest, with his other personality where he uh, he calls it Kyoma. He has a totally different name for himself. When he, oh yeah, that's just arrogant. Yeah, he's just <laughs> oh, totally no. arrogant. Totally crazy. But it totally fits his personality or alternate personality that he creates for himself. Because he doesn't, like, it. when you really think about how he is in real life without, um, without that alternate personality that he creates, he's... He's kind of scared and confused and a little bit, uh, you know, he kind of wants to step back from things and is nervous. But when he sees like Mayuri, he realizes he has to be confident. So that's where his alternate personality comes out. It's kind of interesting that he has he has to be dependent on Mayuri in order to like channel this alter ego of Kyoma being like the mad scientist of the world. Um, and I hope that it's more of a growth and development for his character later because it kind of toxic question mark or kind of like strange because it's a bit of a clutch would you think i think so yeah it's definitely weird yeah. it's like you can only keep up a different personality for so long right and especially yeah. when it's not yourself so i mean i feel like he does the break through that mm-hmm. depending on a friend completely is always a mixed bag to say the least but from the way it sounds, she's not encouraging it. Is that correct? Like, oh, that's true. Encouraging huh? that dependence. Yeah, she's definitely. She can just like show up, and he like switches it on, but she never like asks or expects him to be like that. She's just like do do do, and like hands out like treats to okay, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's See, what she that, does in the show. That makes it a little better because. Uh, you know, not obviously not trying to victim blame, especially as someone who was in a toxic friendship. But in toxic friendships, there's two halves to it. There's the part that there is like one person taking more than giving. But the thing is, the other half, unfortunately, is encouraging them to do it by not speaking out about it or calling them out on it and stuff like that. And that's why it fuels this toxicity. At least definitely the case with me. When she, my my toxic friend was basically completely dependent on me for everything. Like emotionally, for friends, for like it it was very, very tiring and frustrating. But I encouraged it by letting her latch onto me all the time. And deep down, it was a my issue, too, because it made me feel special that, you know, she was so dependent on me. And so that's where it where I also encouraged it. But in this situation, if she's not actively like trying to encourage him to be completely dependent on her, it the dynamic immediately becomes a lot more relaxed and a lot less dangerous in that regard. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, she's not totally encouraging it. They kind of do it for each other because okay. of the, how they know each other and their past. And yeah, they kind of um, pretty much pick that up and they're not co- totally dependent on each other. I feel like if they were to grow apart in a sense, they would not, I mean, they might be sad for a bit, um, mm. but as long as they know that maybe the, each other, they're still alive or something, they'll be completely fine with it. I wouldn't see any problem with it. Um, okay, you okay. Know, but there's still that longing. That's type good of to sense, hear. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Now I'm kind of curious to go either play the game or spoil myself to see how this alternative route of Mayuri and Okabe plays out. Because it seems like they have just a great friendship in the works from both of the anime series so far. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I mean, some some people might argue that our Mayuri like, likes him a lot in a way that, you know, Taichi and Chiaya. And, and so it's like opposite where Mayuri likes um, Okabe. 
So that might be the route. I don't, but I think it's definitely more muted and definitely not as obvious in a sense. Because then she's just so kind to everyone, right? Whereas Tai Chi mm-hmm. isn't really kind to everyone. It's only Chi Chi. <laughs> <laughs> So to close off our conversation, because we discussed several types of platonic relationships between hetero couples, some a lot more complex, others a lot more obvious, uh, obviously platonic, there's been sort of a shift where a long time ago, it's almost like you can't be friends with someone of the opposite gender without sort of having a crush on them of some sort. And then, but now it's like, you know, intermingling between different genders are extraordinarily, extraordinarily common. You know, a girl can have a lot of guy friends and a guy can have a lot of female friends. And it's not something to look at or even blink, really, because it's become so much more, so much more normal. What do you think sort of changed that route? Because even as I speak, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, not too much has come out yet. So, I could be wrong for whatever comes in the future, but at the very least right now, the trio, the two guys and the girl, are also completely platonic with no signs of any sort of romantic feelings developing. And so it seems like it's become, it's starting to become more and more of a trend slash accepted. And so what what do you think like, you know, sort of guided that to where we are right now today? Uh, I would say it's a combination of gender inclusivity at work and also the age of the internet uh as, as we all know like you know anytime between like the 1950s and up until like the 1980s and 90s gender segregated works were a, a workplaces were a big thing you know women tend to be like secretaries or working on the home front men were in the armies or they were like businessmen salary men or like ceo so there's like a huge stratification in that yeah but now that a lot of society is dependent on Every able, every able human being to work in a workplace kind of puts the two genders together and have them form like different kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. And over time, it becomes more acceptable. And I think the other thing that lends to it is also the internet as well. Because with the internet, you can do, you can make so many friends online. Mm. You can play games together you can stream together it could be work related it could just be like social media where you like somebody's post for art that they like they drew or whatever and you form a friendship through that rather than a face-to-face interaction of oh you're male i'm female or i developed an attraction towards you so it becomes a lot more muted because we've grown used to each other and we don't necessarily all see each other as potential partners in the future yeah. I think that's just my guess, though. No, I think you I think that's the right answer. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't expecting a right answer per se, but I really do, because my first thought is probably like uh, my first thought of the easiest way to uh, to name my my platonic relationships with guys stem from work. You know, like they, it, mm-hmm. it just very yeah. easily stems from there. They're the first ones that come to mind. And so. So yeah, I think I, I think that's basically it, Isabel. Unless yes. uh, do you have anything else you want to yeah, add? I don't know. Like- I guess I can only add personal things here. So yeah, most of my I have a lot of guy friends like online mostly that I make through like gaming and stuff. So mm. a lot right, of these yeah. shared interests that we have uh, definitely added to that. And uh, you know, you know, if you say you're friends with someone, a lot of people mostly accept it. If you're not, if you're not, mm-hmm. you're not openly stating that you're in a relationship with them, and you just say, "Oh yeah, this is my friend," everyone's like, "Okay, that's cool," because 
they I mean we have we all have friends like that so right they no longer assume that it's like oh a friend you say raises eyebrows (laughs) it's more of like I I see it for me it was like middle school because I didn't like hanging out with girls at the time girls were a little bit too much for me you know they're really into the trends having a lot of makeup and nails that that wasn't my thing but I really liked hanging out with guys because they were just very chill they didn't really care as long as they shared like similar interests because at the time it was like a lot of video games like League for instance that just came out so everyone was just really into it and I was just like yo this is kind of cool I'll just hang out with them and then over time you know nobody really cares at the end of the day and then all my friends a mix of guys and girls are like yeah we all like anime so everyone just bonds over that instead yeah rather than like oh you're somebody in this friend group that's also the opposite gender or someone I'm potentially attracted to I guess we're soul we're like romantic soulmates <laughs> now no no none of that really happened <laughs> I would like to point out, though, as someone who in middle school was mostly friends with only girls, I was none of those that you described. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I am glad that you were never one of those people because there were a lot of those types of people at my school. And it was really hard to get to be friends with girls in general. Gosh, our schools must be so different because I don't even feel like most of the girls at my school are like that. I mean, yes, they were using makeup and stuff, but that wasn't like a big deal sort of thing I don't know but also I kind of had my own weirdo group in middle school which I'm not gonna delve into because my my best friends always tease me and say like my high school middle school life is literally a romantic comedy drama and I'm just like (laughs) 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 big yikes (laughs) all right well uh thank you for everyone who listened I hope you guys had a fun time listening to us dissect these many Uh, platonic relationships in anime and I hope you will join us next week bye everyone bye bye